On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla's Q1 delivery and production numbers are in, and under the circumstances, they are certainly impressive. Plus, well-known automotive industry consultant Sandy Monroe begins his teardown of a Model Y, a big new dash cam feature is imminent, and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey with you alongside Daisy, the curl-up-in-a-ball boxer puppy. This is episode 244 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for April 5th, 2020. And here we go. Week three for me of work from home and stay-at-home isolation is complete. And I feel like I'm now getting settled into a new normal, at least for the for the foreseeable future. For me, the first week was the toughest one. I don't know about for you guys, but uh, that was it was just a sort of a shock. But now I'm starting to kind of get the get the feel of it a little bit. Most importantly, my family and I are healthy and safe. I hope all of you are as well. So I can't complain. And hey, Daisy over there is stoked that we're all home all day long now. So she's at least got that. All right, let me get started right away. There is actually plenty to talk about in the world of Tesla. I, I have to tell you, if I didn't say this already on the podcast, I was very afraid. I mean, again, the health and safety of Tesla, the people that work there, by far the most important thing. But with the factory shutdown, I was kind of worried I wouldn't have much to talk about on the podcast. But uh, this week, certainly, uh, at the, we'll see how next week and the subsequent weeks go. But for now... Still plenty to cover, starting with this, the Q1 delivery numbers for Tesla as announced by the company earlier this week. The actual financials will come later, of course. That is most likely going to be, oh, if I had to guess, uh, early May, probably in about four weeks' time from right now. But the delivery and production numbers are in. And here they are, delivered 88,400 total vehicles, a 40% year-over-year increase from Q1 of last year. On the production side, look at this, 102,672 vehicles produced. That is up 33% over Q1 of last year as well. So uh, Tesla giving a brief, very brief quote on this saying, quote, Model Y production started in January and deliveries began in March, significantly ahead of schedule. Additionally, our Shanghai factory continued to achieve record levels of production despite significant setbacks, end quote. So what jumped out to me is uh, probably what jumped out to you as well. You can see the production exceeding deliveries by quite a bit there. I did the math. It's 16%. It's quite a lot. There, those two numbers are usually a, a pretty good bit closer at the end of a quarter, the production and delivery numbers. I would think that the reason for that would seem to be uh, more or less losing that entire last week of the quarter last week in order to do as many deliveries as possible due to the shelter-in-place orders around the country and around the world at this point. And, uh, and the Tesla factory shutdown certainly didn't help things as well. Yes, there were deliveries occurring, but again, as I think I told you last week, it is 
typically all hands on deck, people from every department of the company, every discipline are out there volunteering, trying to help deliver cars at the end of a quarter. But uh, the given that the production would have also been higher had coronavirus never come around. So I'm just, you know, again, the deliveries were 88K. That's down from last quarter, but Q1's always down. But uh, given that gap that I was talking about, 88.4 versus 102.672, the the production almost certain, excuse me, the deliveries rather, would have certainly exceeded the 100,000 mark, I think, had had this quarter been uh, continued uninterrupted. And production would have been, you know, that would have would have been an impressive production quarter. I expect uh, maybe not a ton higher from 102, a little bit higher since, you know, the production ended up only shut down for the last, what, few days of the quarter, but it was those deliveries. That's, that's where things seemingly uh, suffered because of the coronavirus and the shelter-in-place orders, but that's the reality. That's the reality that everybody's dealing with now, and everyone is affected by it. So under the circumstances, 88,000 deliveries seems pretty darn good, at least in this particular Tesla fan's eyes. It is, in fact, their highest Q1 delivery and production numbers ever. So relative to Tesla's own previous standards, it's very good. We know that the the standards for the company overall have been going up with the last couple of profitable, successful, uh, very high production, high delivery quarters. But even under the circumstances, a record Q1, so not record overall, but uh, the best Q1 that Tesla has ever had. And Wall Street seemed to agree that this was pretty darn good under the circumstances because the Tesla stock was way up after hours when when the delivery numbers were released, going from a close that day of $454 and change on the stock up to $532 at its after hours peak, which was a, that's a 17% jump. That's pretty darn good. And by the way, uh, in case you're wondering, cause I was wondering as well, unfortunately, Tesla did not disclose how many of those vehicles produced and how many of those vehicles delivered were model Y. Tesla lumped the 3 and the Y in together on this, just as they uh, also lumped together the S and the X. I think it's also worth mentioning, as I said, that Tesla this was Tesla's best Q1 ever. Now, again, I know that's a bit of a backhanded compliment. I don't intend it to be. Q1 is typically a soft month for Tesla and for everybody, but Q4, always huge with the holiday season, and then things tend to tail off in Q1. But to to give you a little bit of context there, the Q1 2020 numbers were nearly equal to Tesla's Q4 numbers from 2018. So basically just over a year prior, uh, they they were delivering 90,700 cars in Q4 2018. And then just fast forward a you know five quarters and it's 88,400. So that's pretty darn impressive. I just want to say congratulations to everybody on the Tesla team for thriving under really difficult circumstances. What about Q2? We're heading into it now and I will admit again I mean I mean I'm not a financial guy. I'm not a financial expert, but it's a complete mystery 
of, of what Q2 is going to end up looking like. I mean, I think all of us are taking uh, everything week by week at this stage, but you've got the shutdown in progress, in effect, heading into this quarter. But whenever Tesla is able to come out of that shutdown, they will have full production going on the 3, the S, and the X, and they'll have the Model Y ramping up. So maybe the most optimistic and maybe the most realistic scenario that I can sit here and paint right now is for Tesla to have those two factors effectively cancel each other out, for the, for the ramping Model Y production to cancel out the shutdown at the, at the beginning of the quarter, and thus the Q2 numbers end up being fairly quote-unquote normal. So we'll see. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see how this quarter plays out. Next up this week, uh, we're getting into the fun stuff. Sandy Monroe has begun his teardown of the Model Y, and he, uh, before he actually started ripping into the car, he walked Auto Line reporter John McElroy around the car. Uh, Mr. McElroy got to come in and, and sort of interview Sandy and, and take a look at the car, and Sandy pointed out a bunch of things on the exterior. Now, if you're not familiar with Sandy Monroe, this gentleman is a Detroit automotive industry veteran. He's a teardown expert. He and his consulting firm, Monroe & Associates, get hired by car companies the world over to tear down competitors' cars, and maybe presumably the company's own cars too, and evaluate them for the quality, the, uh, the crashworthiness, not in the sense of the government testing, but just the, the way the cars are constructed and the the sort of intelligence and, uh, I should say, longevity and quality with which they're built, the technological advancement of their assembly and of their construction. Basically, he is a literal deconstruction analysis expert. <laughs> That's what he's doing. And he's incredibly comprehensive. He's paid handsomely to do these for companies and produce a giant, thick, highly detailed report, which, hey, his time and his expertise demands because he and his team provide a very valuable service. You've heard me talk in, in uh, I guess, years past at this point. When the Model 3 was first trickling out, there were German competitors buying Model 3s from America, flying them over, and tearing them down and, and trying to learn how the heck Tesla did what they did. So Sandy and his team do a very thorough, professional, comprehensive version of that. So for quick context before I play you this clip of Autoline and Sandy Monroe, remember that Sandy had done a teardown on the Model 3 back in 2017, so the one of the early 3s. Just bear that in mind. So he does have Tesla experience. So here's a clip from that uh, conversation. And by the way, when you listen to this, if it sounds like their voices are muffled, it's because they are. They're wearing face masks and lab coats and full and protective eyewear, gloves, full gear so that they can safely be in the same room to do this during the pandemic. So take a listen to this. 
The, uh, the fit and finish is much, much better than what they had before, but there's still some flaws. Let me show you. And, and explain these little yellow dots that you've put around the car. <laughs> well, what are they all about? Well, that's how we determine whether or not there are flaws. So this so, is exactly where you measure the gaps? Yeah, so this is a gap gauge, and this is what we use to, uh, to check the whole car. And what we found was that um, here on the front, uh, or sorry, on the hood, um, we were running gaps that were uh, basically um, in the in the front from one to three and a half, and three and a half to four and a half. So those, if they would have been all the same, I, I would have been delighted. And but when you say one to one and a half, three, three and a half, what you're saying is there's probably a gap. We, of yeah, we just put the gap gauge in, we measure where it says, and then we put the, the number down. And then we uh, look from left to right. So you want each side to be exactly right. the same, and what you're finding right. is variation from That's one correct. side to the other. But the good news is the, uh, the doors are, are great. And this is what people see. So um, this, is, uh, a, this is a good job. They did a good job here. And of course, doors are, are hard to get right. They are. And yeah. it, but if you get them right, no wind noise, no rain That's correct. Breaks. That's correct. The only problem was uh, when they got down to the sill, then they started seeing uh, gaps that were uh, uh, up one millimeter out. I, I, I can't really throw too many rocks at that. Mm -hmm. Okay, the rear of the car. Rear of the car, um, this is where the, the biggest gaps were uh, so, uh, all the way around. So normally uh, we would like to see uh, left to right the same, but unfortunately on here we're looking at one and a half to one, ga uh, one millimeter gaps that are differential. And then the, the biggest one was the tail lamp to the body at the lift gate. So, right. yeah, and that one there is out the most. Yeah. So three and a half on one side and six on the other. Yeah, I, I, I can barely stick my fingers right. in on yeah. this side. But there is one thing back here, Sandy, that you like a lot. Absolutely. I love this flat floor. I think that there's going to be a ton of people that are going to love the fact that they can take something that's really heavy and shove it in. I'm thinking there's, like two yeah, cases of beer. Yeah, there's no big lip right here. You can just, <laughs> how many cases of beer? <laughs> two cases of beer. Uh, you can slide that in perfectly. Come on, yeah. you can do better than two cases. <laughs> I'm older now. <laughs> I don't want to drop anything. Yeah. In the back here, what I, I notice is a lot of good room, at least for somebody my size. Plenty of knee room, excellent headroom. And something that I always measure too is thigh support. You know, in a lot of cars, you're sitting on your tailbone on a long trip that can get to be too much. But this gives decent thigh support. So the other thing that I, uh, I, I've heard about, but we haven't really checked out where it is, is there's a, there is a mechanical uh, release, which is something I complained about. On the Model 3. On the Model, on the model 3 I complained about. On the Model Y, it's supposed to be here, but I'll be damned if I can find it. We only looked for like a couple of minutes, but uh, it's, it's not intuitively obvious. And uh, when I jump inside the front here, it really reminds me of the Model 3. In fact, it looks like everything's just about completely carryover from the 3. I would say it is. I, I did not see anything that was different. I, I, and I'm glad because I like the nice clean lines in the 3. Yeah. I like the styling uh, on this car even better than the 3. But, uh, but the, problem, uh, the problems that, uh, that most car companies have is they don't want to have everything identical well i don't see any i don't see a problem with this i think that uh, model three owners will uh, instantly jump into this and be happy as a clam so yeah. so anyway let's uh, let's go around to the front and i'll show you one other thing that i think is a, a bit of an issue and then uh, and then maybe you might like to take it for a ride so i want you to take your hand here and just 
put it on the hood and just feel what you feel. Yeah, I, I feel, it feels like there's dirt, a little yeah. bit of dirt. I mean, not, not very little. It, it's hard well, to find, but I we do found feel it. it. Unfortunately, we found it all over the place. And so, unfortunately, even though this paint job looks wonderful, um, this is not up to the standard that, uh, that we would be looking for in a car like this. Hey, we've talked all about the fit and finish, the old kind of stuff. Obviously, you're going to be ripping into this car. Right. What are the main things that you really hope to learn once you start tearing it apart? Well, um, our, our prime focus is going to be on uh, what we call now the big three or the big four coming up. So that would be the, the motors, the batteries, the electronics. And there's a, there's a fourth one now, and that's the wiring harnesses. So I want to find out how they got rid of so much wire. And then there's a, another little doodad here, the heat pump. We want to see what that's like. We're, we're going to miss the, uh, the super bottle, but this is a good deal, too. As you rip this all apart, are you going to help the public stay abreast, abreast of what you're doing there? Will you be posting anything about this? Yeah, we've got a daily post, actually. Uh, it's called Monroe Live. It's on, it's on right now. You can, you can get to. Um, and it, Monroe is spelled M-U-N-R-O, so MonroeLive.com. And if you tune in, we'll be showing you stuff pretty much every day. Anything we come across, we'll be popping it up there. So we're inviting the general public to uh, come down, have a look, and see what we find. So there you have it, Sandy Monroe, not a Tesla fanboy like me. He's uh, very, very much an objective consultant who quite literally rips apart cars for a living. Thus, he is probably not the easiest person to impress. So it was pretty cool to hear that he is pretty impressed with the Model Y. Now with the two-piece, I think it was the two-piece subframe uh, assembly lurking inside that car, I am very, very curious what Mr. Monroe is going to think of that when he gets uh, really down into the chassis and frame as he's tearing down the car. And you heard him mention the heat pump there too. I'm gonna be keeping an eye on this teardown as it progresses. He's continuing to post more and more videos on his channel. In fact, he did sneak in another one I wanted to play you one more clip from just before I said to record this week. So this is him walking around the underside of the car. He's got the car up on a lift now. Uh, and Well, actually, the first clip was on a lift too. So, uh, excuse me, this time he's got the access panels on either side of the battery. So the, the front end of the car and the rear end of the car, he's got those uh, access panels off so you can just reach up and see and access everything uh, other than the, the literal battery pack itself. So take a listen to this. Uh, swing in here and have a look at the low voltage wires. Now this might not look like much to the average person, but this is just never done. This is, uh, this is called corrugated wrap. This is uh, put over the top of the low voltage wire, 12 volt wires so that, um, so that uh, it doesn't abrade, uh, doesn't get uh, scratched and short out. Tesla has gone overboard because we've never seen anybody do this ever. We'll see, sometimes we'll see candy striping, which is uh, just basically tape wrapped around it. Sometimes we'll see small sections of tube here and there, but we never see anything that looks quite like this ever. And you can see that, uh, that this wiring is, is uh, it's not just, uh, just a guess. This has really done a fine job. Uh, uh, as far as a quality issue is concerned, this is never gonna see a short. Now, let's make me the happiest. When I saw the Tesla 3, I really, really 
uh, was unhappy with, um, with the way that they did the, um, the, the back end of the car. I saw hundreds of parts that shouldn't have been there. I, I was really unhappy. So what they've done is, I suggested that they get rid of the, uh, I don't know, aluminum, aluminum uh, 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 boot that, uh, that I, couldn't, I couldn't even count the number of parts inside of it right now. But they've taken that and pulled it out and, and we made a suggestion to go to something like this. this we think this is a nylon with glass filled um, boot, one piece, drop it in, all done. And this, this aluminum <coughs> casting, this gigantic aluminum casting that takes up probably a third of the back end of the car, I'm really thrilled with. And if we look down here, you can see uh, that they've also cast in place things that, uh, that cost us time and money. You can see, you can see the, um, uh, the oval slots here. And here we're guessing that there's going to be a, 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 a final uh, pin, like a, a, an accurate pin on one side. And the other side will have something a little bit oversized. That means that I can put the whole pan in and it'll be dead, dead accurate every time. It'll be self-locating. It's going to be wonderfully easy to put that whole section in, that whole rear cradle. It's, almost, it's not a cradle, but... I don't even know what to call it, but it's a really good idea. Uh, last thing is uh, stay tuned. Um, we'll have lots more. We have a, a tremendous uh, opportunity here to have a look at what I think is turning out to be a really fabulous vehicle. There you have it. A gentleman who has really, truly seen it all, definitively impressed with the construction of the Model Y thus far. He says he's still not thrilled about the fit and finish, uh, but I'll tell you, he used some pretty strong language, and not the profane kind, but the good kind, to describe what he was seeing on the underside of that car. Note there, he said he's never seen any car maker do the kind of wiring protection that Tesla has underneath. Uh, that's pretty cool to hear. I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm hooked on this. I am really looking forward to hearing more as he digs literally deeper into the car. Elon Musk even took notice of this after Monroe posted it, uh, quoting him saying, high quality critical feedback from Monroe and company is much appreciated. Now, by the way, I wanna give a quick plug here. If you wanna go watch the entire video, I just posted an, an edited down clip there, and obviously it was audio only. Look up Monroe Live on YouTube, and Monroe is spelled M-U-N-R-O. Next this week, a long, long-requested new feature is now imminent, that being an in-car dash cam viewer. This comes via Twitter user Ishak Mir. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. If not, please write in and correct me. Uh, this, that person has this in early access and the description of it from the car from the updates, the, the release notes, is as such. Dashcam viewer. Watch saved dashcam clips or sentry mode events from the touchscreen with the dashcam viewer. To launch, tap the dashcam icon in the status bar and select launch viewer while the car is in park. If the car is in drive, you will continue to save a clip by tapping the icon. To view saved clips and events stored on your USB drive, tap the menu icon in the upper left corner of the viewer. Each video is organized by location, date, and thumbnail for easy access. 
For additional filtering options, tap the dash cam or sentry tabs. Select the clip or event to play the corresponding video. To select the video from a particular camera, tap the associated thumbnail marked front, rear, left, or right. Play, pause, or scroll uh, by using the video controls at the bottom of the player. To delete a video, tap the trash icon in the bottom right corner of the video player. I saw a little video of this posted up by the aforementioned from what last week, white hat hacker Green the Only posted a clip of this in action. He was imp he, uh, he was impressed by it, and it seems like it works real well. It's it there'll be uh, whatever clip you have selected or whatever feed you have selected is the big the big image, uh, the big video on the screen, and then in the, the the corners, the cardinal corners, there are the other camera feeds, and if you tap one of those, it makes that the big one in the center. So, seems like this is gonna be a really cool implementation of a, a feature that we've all been wanting. Now, since this is an early access, we don't know exactly how soon this will be arriving, but it is very real, and it's probably going to be a matter of weeks rather than months. And remember too, Elon had said a while back that sentry mode would evolve over time. He's, he's been saying this since Tesla first introduced the feature, and this now is the Tesla team making good on that promise. And by the way too, the uh, between this and the, the baby steps of city full self-driving with the stopping at red lights and, uh, and stop signs and this, we have got some awesome stuff to look forward to. In fact, on that note, Elon posting an update on the stop light, excuse me, stop light, stop sign recognition. He says, quote, hoping to roll out traffic lights and stops to, the, to a wide U.S. release in a few weeks and probably worldwide release in Q3, parentheses, so many variations in each country. And he notes, very important to make sure this is done right. So just a fr friendly reminder there that when he says a few weeks, give it a good bit more time than that before you start getting super excited. It will happen. But seriously, I mean, this is besides just the whole Elon time thing, which he's been getting better about, by the way. But nevertheless, th this is an especially complicated problem. So do allow some extra buffer time beyond the few weeks that Elon is saying there before you get yourself hyped up for it. That's, that's my advice. That's my counsel for this. But yeah, really cool, big new features coming up to look forward to. Also from Elon this week, we got a better explanation of the Tesla team's thinking behind removing Homelink from being a factory installed option in every car. If you remember, they removed it about a year or so ago, and now you you have to purchase it via a $300 upgrade in the Tesla online store that will then uh, cause you to schedule a service center appointment or mobile technician appointment who will install it, physically install the, the Homelink uh, device in your car. Elon saying, quote, Homelink is third-party hardware that increases the cost of all cars, but only some people use it, so it's installed only upon request. Long-term, garage openers are transitioning to Wi-Fi activated. Well, we certainly all assumed it was a cost issue, and I'm not at all surprised to learn that a relatively small percentage of people are using it. But now we have insight into Tesla's long-term thinking on this, that they expect Wi-Fi to take over garage door opening capabilities. I find that interesting. 
I mean, we'll see about that, I guess, as time goes on, because I don't know. I mean, a lot of people I know, myself included, have pretty old garage door opener systems because knock on wood, they last a pretty, like many, many, many years if things go well. Uh, But if and when it does transition to Wi-Fi, if we've all got Wi-Fi capable garage door openers, the good news there is the Teslas are Wi-Fi equipped and they're just ready to go to, to support a remote garage door opening feature like that. So there's that couple of more bits from Elon on Twitter. He is, he has said before that you should expect the price of the full self-driving package to continue to go up. And he notes this week that the next price increase uh, will occur, quote, probably July 1st. So, which would be the start of Q3. I don't know if that's coincidence or not, but I how much that increase will be remains to be seen. I think it's probably reasonable to expect that it would be a $1,000 increase because that's the increment that it has gone up before, is, is up by a grand. Finally, an update, a sort of vague update, on the Plaid Mode Model S that's due out towards the end of this year. Elon saying, quote, we're going to simplify, excuse me, simplify Plaid a little. It was getting too complex. Now, I'm not quite sure what he means by that, I admit. I mean, maybe he means they're scaling back the project overall a little bit. Like, maybe they were going to be adding all kinds of other crazy new stuff outside of just the Plaid motors and uh, up, uh, upgraded chassis. Maybe they were going to be doing stuff like a brake package and this, you know, who knows, and maybe it's just a various other parts of the car. So now they're just going to refocus it on the core Plaid aspect. I'm not sure. But that will be interesting to find out how that ends up shaking out. Hopefully, uh, I would hope we'd learn more about that sometime in the next few months, I'd hope. Because if the plan is to build it and have those out in Q4, hopefully we'd learn something about it within by Q3 if, uh, <laughs> if they're going to be selling them and putting them out there around the end of the year. We shall see. Next story this week. Europe is finally starting to get its first significant rollout of V3 superchargers. This story comes via The Driven, who has done a nice job of collecting construction photos and reports from around Europe on a number of V3 supercharger sites that are either online now or in the works. Now, London already has a V3 station. Uh, Now, the Netherlands has a total of 62 stalls planned for the near term. That's the first sort of country on this list I'm going to run through here for you, including a 24-stall V3 site in Uden. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, U-D-E-N. A 40-stall V3 supercharger is planned in Hilden, Germany, which is near Dusseldorf. An 8-stall site is being built in, and I want to apologize in advance here, I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation on this because I took German in high school and not French, but Saint-Laurent-sur-Manois, I hope that's maybe close, even in the ballpark. I I, I want to try and be respectful to my French listeners. And then a a 12-stall station in Leertoppen in the southwest of Oslo in Norway. 
a 20-stall spot under construction in Forli, Italy, and central Denmark in Ikast, that I'm also not sure on the pronunciation of, I-K-A-S-T, a 16-charger V3 station in progress there. So you see some nice numbers starting to go up around Europe Nice job by the Driven there, putting all that together. And it's just really great to see it. I mean, we're starting to get more and more V3s here in the U.S. and in North America. We need them everywhere, all around the world. Now, the Y is going to be getting into Europe sooner rather than later. So this, to me, this these uh, projects across Europe represent Tesla doing its best to get ahead of that supercharger demand that is going to be necessitated by the the arrival of a, a, a whole new model. In addition to the threes, the S's, the X's. Uh, now, of course, the threes are currently the only ones that can take full it. Well, the Y's too, but the you know, Y's not out in Europe yet. The three and the Y can take the full 250 kilowatt advantage of V3. The uh, S and X can only peak at 200 kilowatts on the very newest Raven build S's and X's. So good stuff here. Uh, I've certainly, you've, you've heard me talk about it on my my tr- road trips. I've used V3s a handful of times, and they are indeed noticeably quicker. A couple more things for you this week. A nice courtesy heads up from the Tesla Motors Reddit community. They note they uh, saw that the Model 3 OEM windshield wipers are now in stock, and you can order them from the Tesla online store. You're supposed to replace wipers about every two years or so, and thus I feel like the timing on this is pretty good here because a number of Model 3 owners are going to be coming up on that time now and over the next couple months. Now, obviously, some Model 3 owners have already hit two years, but I'm sort of talking about when when production really started to ramp up on the Model 3 and cars really started to go out in significant volume. It was around this time uh, in two years ago, 2018. So there you go. Now the bad news, they're $23 each. So 46 for the pair. I mean, we're not talking about, it's not a crazy sum of money, $46. But to me, that that still seems a little bit expensive for wipers. Now there are third-party options that will fit. So don't feel like you have to buy these. You may want to shop around, but at least if you want to stay OEM, the Tesla versions are there and available should you want to order them. Finally this week, a listener who wished to remain anonymous sent me a link to some data from an an Icelandic website with this really awesome note about Tesla in Iceland. This listener wrote to me saying, Hi Ryan, just wanted to let you know if you were interested that the first month of deliveries of Tesla Iceland has now been completed. New Tesla deliveries in March for 403 cars, uh, mostly Model 3s. This puts, now th- those 403 puts Tesla as the number one s- selling brand in Iceland. That's a small country, obviously, but still, that is really cool for Tesla to be the number one car brand in the entire country over the span of a month. Here's hoping lots of other countries follow suit soon including the United States, and we'll be able to say that uh, about more territories around the world. That is good stuff. Nice job, Iceland. Love it. 
All right, that'll wrap it up for this week's Tesla news, but stick with me. I've got plenty of your Ride the Lightning Hotline phone calls queued up right after this. Welcome to your section of this podcast, the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Your questions, comments, and discussion topics played and responded to. So let's get rolling. If you, By the way, if you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic as it pertains to the world of Tesla, I invite you, I encourage you, I welcome you to participate and send, send that call in. You can do so in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less, and send that to me via email at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same minute and a half or less question, comment, or discussion topic and send it to me via the Ride the Lightning hotline. All you do is call toll-free 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And you just leave a message anytime, day or night. Simple as that. And by the way, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. And by the way, real quick, this month's Patreon-exclusive bonus episode is up if you are supporting me at a particular level or higher on Patreon. The callers for that are the following folks. Doug from Connecticut, Joe from New York, Dave from Madison, Dave from San Francisco, Landon from Jackson City, John the truck driver from North Carolina, Jay from Orange County, Neil from Ohio, Richard from Toronto, Gary from Chicago, Will from Ancaster, Art from Westchester, and Chad from Concord. If you heard your name there and you are not uh, with me on Patreon, feel free to contact me for a free download token because you were kind enough to take the time to call in. I want you to be able to hear my response to your call. So I'm happy to uh, help you out there. But hopefully uh, the rest of you who are with me on Patreon will check that out and enjoy it. First up this week, Joel from New Jersey kicking us off. Go ahead, Joel. Hey, Ryan. It's Joel from New Jersey. I have an interesting question with these times now where our cars are kind of sitting there not really driving much. Um, is it better to leave the car always plugged in and, and using electricity, even though I'm not driving it or draining it? And even during the, my normal commute, I only commute a few miles a day. So normally I'll charge up to about 80% and then I'll go about three or four days until it gets below 50 and then I'll charge it back up. Is that okay, or do you think it's better to leave it every day, just always plugging it in, bringing it up to like 80%? Let me know your thoughts on that. Joel, I'm really glad you brought this up because I forgot to last week and wanted to. First, a public service reminder, and I have to thank Reddit for this one. If you are no longer commuting, which I am not, and you use scheduled departure, turn that off so it won't waste any energy. Second, I had the same thought you did, Joel. Uh, I normally do 80 or 90%, but I went ahead and dropped it down to 60% for however long the shelter-in-place order lasts. Uh, if you are not driving your car, it's just you know mostly at all, 
it's a tad healthier to, to leave it just closer to 50% as opposed to 80%. I chose 60 for no real good reason, just kind of in that lower mid-range, 50-60%. Finally, I did check the owner's manual does say to leave the car plugged in anytime you're not using it. In fact, the leave your vehicle plugged in is in all caps and bolded in the owner's menu. I'm not kidding. Go look it up on your Tesla account. You can look up the PDF or look at it in your car. I, again, I just checked it. It was, uh, it was almost, I didn't, I didn't remember the bolded all caps part, but there it is. Uh, even though the car won't be charging necessarily by just sitting there plugged in at 50%, 60%, whatever you set it to, it can do battery balancing, battery management that way. So it is useful to keep it plugged in. There's a reason that Tesla put it in bold and all caps. Thank you for your call, Joel. And actually, you know what? You know what just occurred to me? I think it's pretty safe to say that most everybody is driving a lot less than normal right now. Not everybody, but most everybody. And the thought also occurs to me that Tesla must be the only car company that has all of that data from their fleet. Now, I can't imagine that Tesla would ever give that kind of data out voluntarily. I mean, who would want to advertise that their clean zero emissions cars are being driven less than they were before? But man, if I were a data analyst at Tesla, I man, I would be curious to know the percentage drop in miles driven by the entire Tesla fleet in March versus when things were still pretty normal in February. I bet it's, I, I don't know, I, if I were to guess, I, I would have to imagine it's at least 33% of a fleet-wide drop in mileage, at least, quite possibly more than that. Anyway, I'm getting uh, sidetracked. Thank you, Joel. Ed from Livermore, California is next, talking superchargers. Take it away, Ed. Hi, Ryan. This is Ed from Livermore, California. First-time caller, long-time listener. I have a question about Tesla's superchargers. When traveling and I pull into a Tesla supercharger station, how can I tell before I plug in if this station is a version 2 station or a version 3 station? Last week, we stopped at Scotts Valley, California, and was pleasantly surprised when I plugged in to a station that had 250 kilowatts of power. Doesn't seem to tell you either on a better route planner program. Just curious is all. Keep up the good work. We always look forward to Sundays with your new podcast. Ed, thank you very much for your call. I am more than happy to help you here, and hopefully this response will be useful to others as well. So there are two great ways to know. The first way is before you even get to the supercharger. If you tap the supercharger station that you want to go to on the map on your screen in the car, it will show you in that info box that pops up about that supercharging location, it will show you what the maximum charge rate at the station is. If it's 150 kilowatts or less, then it's a V2 station. And if, it's a, if it says 250 kilowatts, it's a V3 station. The other way to know is the, in fact, the, the way to physically tell is when you get there, look at the charging cable. If it's a thin cable, it's a V3. 
If it's a thicker cable that's almost as wide as the charging plug itself, then it's a V2. Safe travels to you, Ed. Thanks again for calling. Aaron from California is up next regarding an interesting question regarding spare tires. Go ahead, Aaron. Hey, Ryan. This is Aaron in Ojai, California. I'm here with my almost one-year-old daughter, and she might make a noise. Who knows? Um, I'm actually calling because sometimes uh, she doesn't want to sleep, and uh, she needs to get driven around for a nap. It only happens occasionally. You're very, very good at it, honey. But sometimes we got to take her for a drive. And obviously that's a great excuse to take out my 2020 long range model three. Yeah. The model three. Um, recently with the, uh, situation, I've just found myself feeling like this isn't obviously super essential. Um, although sometimes we do deliver, fresh veggies to my mom, who is a town away, um, which does feel essential. But if I were to get a flat tire in my Model 3, I don't have a spare, and I found all of the information online about goops and fizzes and <laughs> all sorts of other tools um, just sort of confusing. Uh, what is your opinion on spare tires? Okay. Like, Yeah, what's the deal? Do we, does it really kill the range that much to have one? I feel like, I'd feel like such a jerk if my not that essential travel made me call AAA and get a spare. Um, and all the other stuff just seems so suspicious, like a can and a mallet and all the other stuff. I mean, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a child of the 80s, so I like the idea of, uh, you know, wrenches and jacks and <laughs> changing a tire not shooting it up with some strange fluid, but I don't know. Maybe you have a better idea. That was a little more than 90 seconds, but I'm holding a baby. So give me a break. Hope you're great. Love the show. Take care. Aaron, great to hear from you and from your little girl too, by the way. There's some awesome power parenting. You're, you're taking care of your girl and calling into the show at the same time. Nicely done. Anyway, I hope I can help put your mind at ease a little bit here. First, most new cars now no longer come with a spare anymore. It's just not done, really. I'd presume it's mostly a cost issue for, for most manufacturers. Uh, could be a, a space issue, too. Uh, that's because that would take up valuable cargo space or other space. For Tesla, it's, it's those things, really probably those things, because it's not really range or efficiency, because it's, it's not that heavy. I'll get to that in a second, but... I mean, on the on the space and efficiency front, you know as well as I do that Tesla tries to squeeze every last drop of efficiency out of their vehicles. That said, if you did go ahead and buy a spare tire and wheel to to for you know peace of mind, it doesn't weigh that much. Assuming you've got the 18-inch aero wheel, the whole kit and caboodle, the wheel and the tire with air in it, it's like 25 pounds. So that's effectively like a small dog worth of weight, not enough to materially affect range. The bigger issue, as I mentioned in a response to a caller last week, is uh, which, which I touched on a second ago here, there's really nowhere to put it in the car. Uh, the, the bottom frunk, not big enough, for certainly not for a full size. The, the frunk, uh, did I say bottom frunk, bottom trunk and the frunk, neither of them big enough. So, I mean, you could get one and just leave it in the trunk and it would be taking up space. Uh, you know, that's certainly an option for you. But do remember, 
you've got four free years of Tesla roadside assistance that comes with your car. I've used it before when I blew out those two tires on that wicked pothole uh, and had to get towed over to, to, to a Tesla service center. They took good care of me. It was, uh, and this was at 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday. So I had a good experience. I hope that helps. Hope that makes you feel a little bit better. Mike from Nebraska is next with a, with a bit of a concern from a spouse. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, Ryan. This is Mike from Papillion, Nebraska. Love the show. Started listening right before Elon came on. Question for you or your listeners. My wife is concerned about letting me get a Tesla because she saw the incident with the fire and the handles not self-presenting to bystanders to let the person out. Any suggestions you or your listeners have as to how I can help convince her that this wouldn't be an issue in the future? Thanks a lot. Love the show. Mike, thank you for your call. Your wife's concern here is understandable, but respectfully, she may have been inadvertently hoodwinked by the Fudsters. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. The uh, nefarious agents that like to peddle in misinformation, those people wish Tesla ill, and this uh, misinformation gets repeated. It gets picked up uh, in all kinds of places that seem viable and seem trustworthy, but it's just bad information gets around. The fact is, the odds of there even being a fire in a Tesla are exponentially less than the odds of that same uh, horrible thing happening in a gas-powered car. A Tesla is objectively the safest car in the world, not subjectively, objectively. I would recommend to you that you show her all of the crash test information on Teslas, either on the NHTSA website or maybe find a report about it that you can find from a simple Google search. Also, if you're considering a 3 or a Y, you can let her know that those don't even have the self-presenting door handles. In fact, the X doesn't either. The Model S is the only one that has that. So I think a patient and thorough explanation of the safety bona fides of a Tesla are probably the best approach to talking through this with your wife, or at least I'll say that's what I would do in your position. Best of luck to you. Daniel from Lawndale, California, just got a Model Y and has some first impressions. Daniel, take it away. Hello again, Ryan. This is Daniel calling back from Lawndale, California. I just wanted to share my first impressions of the Model Y. First and foremost, I was more than happy with how it turned out. It's actually a little bigger than I had anticipated, and the build quality compared to otherwise I've seen posted online were actually pretty good. The only minor flaw I noticed was where the C-pillar body panel trim meets the rear passenger door trims. Those were slightly misaligned, but nothing to lose sleep over. It is so much fun to drive, and the forward visibility is great. The rear view mirror visibility is going to take some getting used to, as it is limited, but you also have the rear camera you can flip on. My Model Y is currently in the shop being wrapped for extra protection as I plan on renting it out on Turo. I'm a giver by nature and I wanted to share the same experience with others as they have shared with me through the service which ultimately got me convinced to purchase a Tesla. One last note I wanted to share and that's regarding the upcoming third row seating. The rear storage area is simply huge. There is so much space, but honestly, I don't see how they're going to make a forward-facing third-row seat work. There is just not enough depth for legs and feet to fit in from what I can see. However, 
If they make it rear facing, then by simply removing the lower storage compartment cover, you instantly have plenty of leg and foot room to comfortably sit in. That's what I think they're going to do, and I'm willing to bet a free day's rental of my Model Y on it. Thanks again for all you do, Ryan, and hope to talk to you soon. Daniel, thank you. It is great to hear from you again now that you've had some time with the car. The rear view mirror situation, it's funny you bring that up. It's exactly the same on the Model 3. It takes some getting used to. I'm like I'm totally used to it now, but it was it was one of the things I said I didn't like about the car when I first got it. It's the the butt of the car, for lack of a better term, is very tall. It's a tall butt car, and I guess the Y is the same way. I've been reading a lot of impressions in the community on the Model Y. That and they everybody pretty much universally says it's bigger than they thought it was going to be. I'll tell you, Franz and the Tesla design team, they they seem to be exceptionally good at warping time and space. <laughs> They're really good at it. But you know, like you, as I said after my test ride at the Model Y unveiling a year ago, I'm I'm with you. I just don't see how anyone but kids are going to fit into the third row space if it's facing forward. I'll be very curious if they do end up going with rear-facing seats, as you suggest. They did it on the Model S back in the first days of, of Tesla, at least of the Tesla factory of when they were building their own car versus the, the Roadster, which they built in partnership with Lotus. You know, they, they did it on the Model S third row jump seats. I mean, who knows? Maybe part of the delay in the third row option being available is that they just threw something together in the prototype and they they decided to like well this we don't like this but let's just put it out there on the prototype people are going to see it but the whole, maybe this whole time they have been working on re-engineering the car uh, for rear facing third row and that no doubt will require new crash test safety certification if you've got another row of passengers in there in the back of the car that are facing the other way. I'm sure that that's going to require uh, independent crash, crash testing measures. I guess we'll find out soon enough, all things considered. Enjoy that Model Y, Daniel. Andy from New Hampshire is up next. Go ahead, Andy. Hi, Ryan. This is Andy from Samerton, New Hampshire. I'm calling about the Model Y extended range which was originally set at 280 and is now at 315. I believe the reason for this range increase is directly related to the decision to go to the heat pump. The heat pump is 300% plus more efficient than the Model 3 coil heat. That means that the heating and cooling of the battery pack uses two-thirds less electricity from the battery to perform the same job. And I believe that alone gave the significant increase. What do you think, Ryan? Thanks, Ryan. Keep up the good work. Bye. Thank you for your call, Andy. I think you're probably right in that it's at least a big factor in it. I really do think the wheels are a big factor as well, as I talked about last week, and probably some other drivetrain and battery management efficiencies that we can't see. But yeah, there is a reason that Elon was heaping such high praise onto the Tesla team regarding that heat pump. It's a big deal, 
not just a simple little upgrade to the Y. We uh, hopefully will learn more about that heat pump, courtesy of the aforementioned Mr. Sandy Monroe, as he tears down that Model Y. Maybe we'll get a clip and hear about that and learn something for next week. Well, that's everything I've got for you in the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Again, keep those calls coming. I love hearing from you. I gave you those call-in options at the top of the segment, so listen back there if you missed it. And otherwise, stick with me. I've got plenty more to, sh- uh, to go here, plenty more show left. There is the Pro Tip of the Week. I'm going to give you a video game recommendation for the stay-at-home, for the shelter-in-place, and uh, we'll see what else pops up. So stick with me. Be right back right after this. Last weekend, I took my car out for a nice little cruise. I took Daisy. I just had to get out. You know, I've been here all week, and there's an old spot near where I used to live that I used to love to go walking, and it's reasonably remote. There's just nobody really around, and if you do see anybody, it's very easy to social distance and get around anybody. So I took Daisy down there, which was a nice little cruise, and on the way back, I finally saw a Model Y that was not a company car. You know, it, it didn't have manufacturer plates. It was an actual customer delivery car. So that was that's the first non-company car I've seen on the road. Of course, that's not really saying much because I've barely been on the road. I'm, I'm sure they're getting out there. I'm just not seeing them because I'm not driving anywhere. But it is nice to see the Model Ys getting out there. Now, as I mentioned last week at the suggestion of Stefan from Monterey, I work in video games by day in video game media. I cover the world of video games for IGN. So for those of you that are sheltered in place, that you're you're staying at home, I thought I would give a video game recommendation that's fun and appropriate for the whole family. And uh, I should have probably started with this one because it's Tesla related. Luigi's Mansion 3, though, can't argue with that. That was a, I love that game. But I have to mention Forza Horizon 4. Now, Horizon 4 doesn't have a Tesla available in it. Tesla has uh, seemingly not given a license for their their cars to show up in any video games for a while. Forza Horizon 3 had a performance, uh, the P90D Model S, in there. That was one of the DLC cars for Forza Horizon 3. Also a fantastic game. If you have Xbox Game Pass, if you're subscribed to that, you can get... Uh, any of the Forza games on there. But yeah, Forza Horizon 4 for the Xbox One or PC, it is probably the best car game, period, of at least the last 10 years. Because I don't even call it a racing game. It's a driving game, and I think there's a big difference. It's not really competitive. It's very social. It's very casual. It's set in England, set in the UK. You just cruise around. You listen to cool curated music stations you do these fun quests of sorts just these fun driving challenges uh there are races in there but it's it's not a hardcore simulation the way that forza motorsport is forza horizon is the the super chill more laid back version but just tons of real world cars in there it's a stunning looking game from a graphics perspective and it's just so much fun it's incredibly well put together so very much recommend Forza Horizon 4. 
All right. The pro tip of the week this week comes to us from Paul in Houston, and it is regarding the HVAC system. Take it away, Paul. Hi, Ryan. This is Paul from Houston, second time caller. I just wanted to share a pro tip about how air circulation works when climate control is on auto. And I've checked, but this isn't actually in the manual. So when opening the climate control settings menu while auto climate control is on, you'll see a number of faded blue icon buttons. This color seems to indicate which settings are currently on and being automatically controlled. But I've come to learn that some of these settings are not binary and do not override auto. For example, if cabin air circulation is on, then this button will be the aforementioned faded blue color. From there, you can tap on it and it will change to a vibrant blue color. Tap again and it will toggle off. The vibrant blue state seems to indicate a user preference override, which will be used for the remainder of the current session, meaning that auto climate control will no longer make changes to this setting even if it normally would have due to changing environmental conditions. This is great if you are in traffic and don't want to breathe fumes from the cars around you. Unfortunately, this user override will be lost though when the car is turned off later. It would be handy if this air circulation setting could be saved to our driver profiles. Anyway, I hope this helps and thank you for the positivity that you bring to the Tesla community each week. That is super helpful, Paul. Thank you very much. And again, if you've got a pro tip of the week, I would especially love to hear from the new Model Y owners if you discover something particularly interesting that may not be super obvious about your Model Y. But whichever Tesla you've got, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Anything, any fun little cool tip that you think might be worth passing along to your fellow Tesla owners, please call in. You can do so in one of the same easy two ways that you call in on the Ride the Lightning hotline. All right, abstractocean.com. Want to mention some friends of the show here real quick before I go. They've got all kinds of goodies for you. Check them out, abstractocean.com. Tempered glass screen protectors for the Model 3 and thus Model Y as well. There are the center console wraps in all sorts of cool different designs and patterns if you want to change up the look of that center console. The lighting kits, they've got a, a million cool lighting kits, lots of good stuff, a lot of, much brighter than the factory stuff, so uh, some really nice LED things there. Check them out, abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections is ready and willing to take care of your Tesla. You're stuck inside, maybe the car is just hanging out in the garage. What better time to drop it off at a professional detailer and have some extra special awesome attention paid to it, whether you want to do paint correction, paint protection film, ceramic coating, any of the above, all of the above, just a nice, maybe you just want to do a nice deep clay bar wash and wax, Immaculate Reflections has got you covered. And... He's offering discounts for listeners of this show. So check out his work. Check out his website. Get in touch via Jeff's website. That's uh, Immaculate Reflections at irdetailing.com. He's got a completely touchless drop-off and handoff system now in place uh, as part of the you know ongoing pandemic situation. So it's, it is safe. It is secure. I promise you he will take good care of you. If you're in the Bay Area or going to be there, 
I cannot recommend this gentleman enough. He is wonderful. Meanwhile, puretesla.com slash RTL. You heard earlier on the show the dash cam sentry mode feature getting better coming up in a in a very near software update with that in-car dash cam viewer. So you want to make sure that you have a nice, large file size, reliable dash cam system in there that's not going to flake out on you the, the way that typical USB will. So use puretesla.com slash RTL. It is a micro SD based solution that will still plug in via USB. It comes formatted and ready to go. It's free shipping in the U.S., and uh, although they will ship worldwide, it works with PC or Mac. It's like I said, you, you just it's turnkey. Take it out of the package, plug it into your car, you're good to go. I'm running a 128 gigabyte kit, and that is $49. There's also a 256 gigabyte kit for $69. So to order that. To order either of those, go to puretesla.com slash RTL. And then there's Jada. They are continuing to run their awesome deal that I've been telling you about. So they've got the wireless charging pad for Model 3 to uh, just set that wireless, set that smartphone down. And if it's got the Qi-compatible wireless charging, you just set it on the, on the Jada wireless charging pad and the phone will charge no cables needed, which is super cool. And it's... It's performance Model 3 launch proof, I can assure you from personal experience. The, the phone will not go flying. So uh, there is a $20 off going for that. It's $100 normally, so you can get it. It's $20, $20 is 20%. Get it for $80. Bucks. The coupon code for that is JADAPAD, all one word, J-E-D-A-P-A-D. They've got the USB hub for the Model 3, or there's a Model Y version as well for you uh, Model Y owners, that will add some USB ports to that center console in a very flush, beautiful, kind of factory-looking solution. $10 off of that if you're interested, the coupon code being JADAHUB. If you want to buy both, you get an even better discount, $40 off of both and that's Jada Bundle, all one word, is the coupon code there. So if you'd like to order any of that, I uh, would just humbly ask that you use my referral link because uh, full transparency, Jada throws me a couple of bucks on, the, on that referral link if, if you come in through this podcast. So that URL is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. Jada, again, spelled J-E-D-A. Meanwhile, if you don't already subscribe to the podcast, that's a thing that you can do completely for free, and that just means that you don't have to remember when new episodes come, although they do come out like clockwork every week, every Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, but nevertheless, subscribing is a good idea because then the show just pushes out to you each week, and it's nice and easy, uh, and again, that's that subscribing to that is is uh, no cost. It's totally free. Just use whatever podcast service you prefer. You can subscribe on any of the big ones, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, TuneIn's in your car, by the way. You guess you can get this podcast in your car. I'm on Spotify and then YouTube as well. I have a YouTube channel where the show is syndicated every week. There's no video, just again, just to be super clear on that. But if you like to listen via YouTube, you can find and subscribe to my YouTube channel there. It's uh, just type in Ride the Lightning Tesla into the YouTube search 
and you will find it. Finally, uh, as usual, just a quick mention here at the end of the show for my Patreon. That is the way to support me. Patreon, if you're not familiar, it's uh, maybe you've heard of Kickstarter. Patreon is effectively a uh, a long a, a Kickstarter that that doesn't end, at least until you decide you don't want to be a part of it anymore. But maybe a better way to phrase it is uh, seriously, it's it's a way to support your favorite content creators. So. Um, you know that there are most of the time there are no proper ads in this. Uh, you know, it's, it's not something I'm making a living off of, but it is something that I put a lot of time, a lot of energy into. So, uh, every, every little bit, every pledge helps. If you do feel that I've earned your support and you're in a position, I know, uh, things are, are starting to get a little tough right now. If you're in a position to the, to contribute on the Patreon, great. If not, Hey, I just appreciate you listening. I mean, I appreciate everybody listening. Don't get me wrong. So uh, anyway, to find out more about my Patreon, the different rewards at the different pledge levels, you can go to my Patreon page, which is at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast, Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. That will wrap it up other than saying thank you to the Patreon producers, but I guess I'll mention one more time the show email address if you want to reach out to me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter and or Instagram. My handle on both is DMC underscore Ryan, as in DeLorean Motor Company. I will I will always have that special place in my heart for the DeLorean. So DMC underscore Ryan on Twitter or Facebook. And uh, I think... Oh, and hey, I guess I'll throw in a, a random cross plug for myself for my day job. I was very lucky to sit down with uh, basically the Elon Musk of Xbox would be the way I would refer it to you. It's actually pretty accurate now that I think about it. Uh, his name is Phil Spencer. He is the head of Xbox, the Xbox division at Microsoft. Uh, I've known Phil professionally for many, many years but I hadn't actually interviewed him in a long, long time. There's a new Xbox launching in the fall called the Xbox Series X. It is an extremely powerful new console. It's very promising. So every little new nugget, every detail is of interest. I interviewed him for an hour. He from his living room and me from my, uh, actually, well, he from his home office and me from my home office. We had a really good conversation. So you can look that up on IGN. Uh, Actually, probably the best way to find it is on the Podcast Unlocked YouTube channel or or a podcast feed, either way. So look up, if you just look up Podcast Unlocked, Phil Spencer, it's the most recent episode, so you're going to find it. It's episode 437. All right. Thank you so much to the Patreon producers. These are the folks supporting at one of the very highest tiers on my Patreon, so I'm I'm especially grateful for their support particularly at this time. And those folks are Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Michael Waddle, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Jeremy Harris, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, Chris Konesnik, John Cody, 
Matthew Wright, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Scott Gillis, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Folkers, Matt Kalen, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversole, Ish, and Ramey from TeslaProTips.com. Thank you all so very much. Super appreciate your support, uh, particularly the producers, but everybody that's backing me on Patreon. It really does make a, a, a difference in my life for the better, and I just sincerely appreciate it. Well, with that, I hope you're all staying home, staying healthy, staying safe. If you can stay home, I know there are some people out there that, that have to go to work, and uh, for that, that means you're essential, and that means uh, I am especially grateful to you for, for going out there and continuing to work under very, very difficult circumstances. And for the rest of us, we are going to stay home to try and do our part to, to get this over with, to get through this in, in the, the healthiest, uh, most intelligent way possible. So uh, we're all here together. We're in this together. You can email me anytime. You can reach out via the hotline anytime. I'm always going to be here. That is my plan. New podcast every Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific for a, yeah, definitely sleeping Daisy the Boxer puppy. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Uh, I really appreciate all of you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening, giving me an hour plus of your time each and every week. It means a lot. I thank you, and I will see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.